I know you long-haired hippies. I know how you are. <laughs> I'm just jealous of your hair. That's all. You could restore it Welcome to Backup Central's Restore It All podcast. I am W. Curtis Preston, a.k.a. Mr. Backup, and I have with me here Prasanna Maliandi. How's it going, Prasanna? Pretty good, Curtis. Pretty good. Where where, where are you hanging out right now? I am back in the Bay Area after spending almost two weeks on the road, so I'm glad to be home just in time for uh, fall, and although the weather's not too bad. I can't complain out here. And uh, did you have any, were you on the road during Diwali? Do you celebrate Diwali? I do celebrate Diwali. No, I did come back two days before Diwali, so that was nice. Yeah. Had some nice fam, or had family over and friends, so it was good. Ate some sweets. Ate some sweets, <laughs> yeah. I uh, I had dinner at an Indian restaurant in LA at the beginning of Diwali. Uh, it was quite a lot going on over there. <laughs> Oh yeah, it's like a super long holiday and yeah. full of food and festivals, right? Yeah, I think the one universal thing between all ethnicities is that when we have a holiday, we eat. <laughs> <laughs> During the, um, I, I don't know what they in in their language what, but the the Day of the Dead, the Dia de los Muertos, but not in Mexico, but in uh, the Philippines. Uh, not only do they dine to sort of honor their ancestors, they dine in the graveyard. And mm. if and if your family has enough money to have a mausoleum, you have your meal inside the mausoleum. Inside the mausoleum? Yes. That could be a little creepy. That's what I, I, I just... And, but, and but they do it... I, I get it. I get the why they do it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But... But that's if you're not used to it, you're, you're like, not. Uh, yeah, and I was not used to it. I but I was there. Yes. I happened to be there on on. It, I as I remember, it's the day before Halloween, right? Mm. And um and then stay and that that is how they honor the dead is they eat with them. Um, interesting. Yeah, and I was like, wow, that's um that's interesting. But the <laughs> um and we are recording this by the way on Halloween. I know, crazy time flies by. So how uh the what's um, your granddaughter? dressing up as so she has two costumes <laughs> so i don't know which one she's gonna wear tonight she has a wonder woman costume and also an ariel costume uh Ooh, she, nice. she went as to school she went as ariel but yesterday she dressed as wonder woman i have no idea what she's gonna dress in tonight i just know she's gonna be adorable is there a third is there a third there, tonight? There is not a third, as far as <laughs> Are I you know. Sure? Are you positive? <laughs> well, yeah, I know. We, my wife and I, would be the the guilty party responsible for buying a third. I'm sure if there, if there, <laughs> was, because if she asked us for another costume, we'd be like, okay, oh, of course, of course, done. So, <laughs> and uh, yeah, because you know we love her and she's our sweetie pie. Uh, mm -hmm. She's six. One thing I should mention is that uh, while Prasanna and I do both work for Druva, this is not a Druva podcast. The opinions that you hear are our own. And speaking of opinions, we want to hear yours. So if you have uh, a data center and you're, you know, if you're 
backing it up, then we want to talk to you. If you're not backing it up, <laughs> we want to talk to you. We definitely want to talk yeah, to we you. We definitely want to talk to you if you're not backing it up. But if you have, you know, uh, you know, whether what you think is a boring or an interesting backup environment, we would love to talk to you. The, you can either uh, DM me at WC Preston on Twitter, or you can email me at WCurtisPreston at gmail.com. And we will uh, have you as a guest on the podcast. And uh, it, it, or even if you've heard something that we've said and you think we're nuts uh, or you think we're amazing and you, <laughs> you just want to come on <laughs> and tell us that we're amazing. We'd love to have you as a guest, I guess, is what I'm saying. Tomorrow morning, I leave to go to VMworld in Barcelona. And I know I'm going to miss you, which is why we're pre-recording. This is this. This is actually next week's episode but we're recording it before i go because i might be a little busy and in a different time zone and one of the things that's happening right now is that there have been so at the last vm world that you and i were at druva got its first real direct competitor back when they announced at uh, vm world which was clumio uh, and yeah. and they are they appear to be doing things in a lot of the same ways that we're doing. And then now we have uh, somewhat of a, of a heavyweight, I think, where, uh, and, I, and I, I do know that there's been some, I, I've seen some talk that actually, um, Cohesity, I believe, is also has the beginnings of a SaaS offering, yep. right? And I've heard that as well. Then Commvault uh, being the, Definitely 800 pound gorilla here, and they have now released Metallic, which is a SaaS based offering based on Commvault underneath. But then they they've put a wrapper around it. They you know you don't see what you would know as Commvault if you're a Commvault customer. You see a completely different interface, and a lot of that typical management and complexity appears to be uh, taken away. I think you're also forgetting a couple others that I thought I should mention. Earlier this year, right, Actifio launched Actifio Go as a SaaS solution. And then Igneous has also recently announced, although they're not traditionally thought of as a backup company, they also launched recently a SaaS-based data protection as well. All right. Yeah. So, you know, the, the market is is fleshing out. You know, for a long time there, we were, we, we used, we, we've often used the phrase that we're, we were skating where the puck was going. But we, I think for a while there, we were hanging out in one corner of the rink going, hello, is anybody <laughs> going to play? And now, and now a bunch of, of companies are. And so... Well, I guess the question is, what is SaaS Data thank Protection? You, thank you. I was about to say that, right? So what is SaaS Data Protection? I would say, uh, let, let's just say this. Here's what is not SaaS. And that is software subscription. So uh, my best example of that is Adobe, right? So Adobe has gone all software subscription and that's great, right? So you pay 10 bucks a month or 50 bucks a month or a hundred bucks a month and you get full access to all uh, of the Adobe, the, the particular suite that you want, but you're still downloading, let's say Premiere Pro, you're still, when you want the latest version of Premiere Pro, you're downloading a patch, you're updating Premiere Pro, it's still running on your machine. Adobe is not managing your software for you. That is not SaaS. SaaS is Office 365, right? 
Um, if you're doing an actual SaaS product, if you're using an actual SaaS product, you're not managing the infrastructure. I think that's that's, that's one, one of the of key, key things, things yes. right? Um, you're not managing the infrastructure and somebody or something or some process is managing the infrastructure. So it is being managed. It may be managed in an automatic fashion. It may be managed by a human being or a team of human beings. But the number one key is that you're not managing it, right? It can, yeah, I have sure. a question for you there on that managing infrastructure, because I know this kind of gets into a little bit of the weeds, but it's an important point to discuss is, is it SaaS if the software that you have subscribed to or purchased more subscribed to, right? The service you've subscribed to actually manages data within your account or manages the infrastructure within your account. So for instance, if I sign up for a service and the service manages data, like it manages all the infrastructure in my account, for instance, if I had an AWS VPC and they manage all of the resources within that VPC, creating the resources, managing them, making sure they're available, everything else. Well, the question is the service itself. Am I managing the infrastructure behind that service? Because that's what makes it SaaS or not SaaS to me, right? So you're you're talking about, you know, let's say a magical service that helps me manage my Amazon account, for example. Well, or say I sign up for, um, let's take an example, right? So I sign up for email service, right? And I go to Office 365 Office. Microsoft is managing all the infrastructure. Right. Now, say I sign up for another email, a SaaS email service provider, and they just happen to use my Amazon account, but they manage all the resources within it. They deal with everything within it, all the security oh, and other aspects. I, I, Would you consider that SaaS or not? I think that's really pushing the boundaries <laughs> of what is SaaS, right? So... Th- I think another aspect of SaaS is the simplification of billing, right? So if they're going to use my resources, I'm going to be the ones paying for those resources, which means my bill is going to go up and down based on, you know, a variety of factors. The idea with a SaaS system, like with Office 365, it's it's $5 or $10 or $15 per user per month you know, period, based on the level of service you want. There's no running Office 365 inside your infrastructure. And if there was, then your bill is going to go up and down based on the computing resources that you use. And I I don't think that's really SaaS then. Well, Well, and that's a clarification, right? Because there are a lot of companies out there who think, yes, if I manage things within your resources, that is SaaS. No, that's, I think that's I think that's a really important point, right? Is that you should not be managing, nor should you see the resources. They're just magic; they just appear, <laughs> right? Um, you just go to Office three sixty five, and you know you configure a new account. You configure. You just acquire a new company, and you add ten thousand users, and you just create a CSV, and you upload that to you know, whatever your, you know, system is, maybe use Okta or whatever. And then it provisions all the accounts. And there's a whole lot of IT and, and, you know, that goes on, goes on behind the scenes, but you never see it, manage it, touch it or pay for it. Well, you pay for it, but not, not additionally. 
So like other examples other than Office 365 would be things like Better Cloud for IT management, ServiceNow. That sounds like a SaaS service, but you, yes, because that you're, is not, a SaaS again, service. you're not managing the or paying for the infrastructure behind that service, right? That's sort of what SaaS is. And, you know, when, when we talk about backup, what SaaS is not definitely is if your backup, so if, if you're just licensing, even if it's on a subscription basis, if you're just licensing backup software that is running in your AWS account, that is subscription-based pricing is what that is, right? And there is at least one vendor, I won't call them out right now, but there is at least one vendor that is kind of what they're calling SaaS, kind of what they're calling what they're doing SaaS, sort of, uh, but all they're doing is subscription-based pricing. And I, I think that, that that's muddying the waters. And that's co-opt, that's co-opting a term. Feel free to look on my blog about that. Well, and I think that's the important thing that people need to be aware of is that it does mean different things and people will use well, the term it SaaS only means to one mean thing, what you persona, don't think it means. But people will <laughs> uh, co-opt it and make and pretend that it means multiple things. Just like just like uh, back in the days of CDP, right? When CDP was new, a whole bunch of things, a whole bunch of products that were yep. definitely not CDP were calling themselves CDP because CDP was a buzzword. It is definitely no longer a buzzword. Um, it's yep. payday has come and gone. Turns out there wasn't that much of a need for 100% continuous data protection. Um, but, you know, the vendors like NetApp, right, back in the day were trying to say that snapshots and replication were CDP. It's like, no, it's, it's close to continuous, but it's not continuous. Anyway, we digress. So nah. what, nope. what do we... What do we get from a SaaS data protection solution? Well, from a SaaS data protection solution, right? Like you mentioned, it's all about right. not having to manage backup infrastructure, right? You don't want to have to deal with deploying media servers, managing storage, dealing with capacity, right? Procuring new storage arrays to deal with all of that stuff, right? You just want it to... Be like, hey, I have this application or this new server or this new VM or this new user who came on board. I just need to protect their data. We were talking the other day about, you know, for people who have, it, it, I'll, I'll make the statement and I'll, I'll say what it reminds me of. We were talking about how that for people that have finally experienced true SaaS data protection, once they experience, they're like, oh, this is awesome. Like, I can't go back to, to, the other way, right? Um, I, I would need a really strong reason to go back. It reminds me of once you've experienced <laughs> virtualization, you know, once you've experienced what it's like and all of the amazing things that you can do if you virtualize, the idea of running, you know, bare metal, you know, running Linux or Windows on bare metal, you're going to need a really good reason to do that because you've experienced what it's like with virtualization and the same I think is true with SaaS backup. Once you experience what it's like to have backups just run and just work and just automatically grow. That's the other thing It's automatic capacity management, right? So as your environment goes, you just simply add new users or new servers or new applications to your backup environment and the back end just automatically scales to meet your needs. I think that's yeah, that, I think that's really the big, and, and it, it can scale yep. up. And if done properly, it can scale down, yep. right? 
Um, meaning that if you sell off a portion of your company or yeah. whatever you decide to stop doing XYZ, any of the compute and storage and backups associated with that can be deleted and then it can go back down. And I think that's a great idea, right? And especially in that way, you're not buying all that capital or the equipment that you need to keep for three years or whatever and figure out, oh, now what do I do with all this right? stuff? Yeah. It's just like, you know, it's like, again, it's like AWS yeah. or Azure or GCP that you, you know, you can do a thousand VMs and then when you're done with them, you turn them off and let them figure out what to do with the leftover hardware. So we talked about not managing infrastructure, right? I think along with that, though, the other point I want to make about that is not only not managing infrastructure, because that's also very difficult. Yeah. But the other thing you have to also worry about is security, right? The fact is, how do I secure my infrastructure when I'm in a backup space? How do I actually deal with preventing ransomware and other issues if I have something on premises and I'm managing the infrastructure now it becomes my headache. I have to start thinking about what do I deal with security? How do I deal with ransomware? How do I deal with all these issues? Even disaster recovery, right? It all becomes my headache as an IT admin. Yeah, what you should. And of course, you know, the, the thing is with all of these services, whether we're talking about backup or email or whatever, you can out you can outsource the the functionality. You can never outsource the responsibility, right? So you're always going to be responsible for security. But the question is, can you, by using a service, increase your security level, right? So uh, I think the idea, again, if done properly, a SaaS solution, you, basically they can apply the best practices across all their environments, make it as secure as possible and automate that security in a way so that you get the advantage of all that great security without actually having to manage uh, the security. Yeah. Because you're right, if you're managing it yourself, if you're managing, whether it's VM backup server, you know, backup servers and VMs in the cloud or backup servers and VMs or physical machines in your data center, you are responsible for the security of those servers for the security of the application. And it's not like, you know, backup applications have always been uh, secure either, right? Yeah. Um, so, but if you use a SaaS service, they are responsible. So again, I want to make sure I'm careful here. Th there's a shared responsibility, but th you're paying them to help you have better security. You should still be making sure that they're doing their job. Sorry, yes, you are correct, Curtis. I did mean to state that you don't necessarily take on the aspects of managing that security, but you are right. You are still responsible. And even from a requirement perspective, which actually becomes really important, is to understand what security does the SaaS vendor offer you. Right. Because you might just close your eyes and say, oh yeah, someone else is dealing with it, but it's one of those trust but verify. <laughs> Trust but verify. Right. Make, One of my favorite phrases. Make sure that your SaaS vendor is really doing what they said they will do and that you are comfortable with that shared responsibility. Exactly. So not all of the vendors are using sort of automatically scaling technology, right? So some of the vendors in the SaaS space are using traditional products and they're just running them in the cloud. So if that's the case, uh, and, 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 you know, I'll just, I'll give Commvault as an example. They're, they're touting that they're, 
there's, you know, the server, the metallic service is using, you know, I forgot exactly how they say it, but basically regular Commvault in the background and they tout that as a, as a positive. So the question is, Commvault has never automatically scaled. So how you need to ask questions on how does the product scale, right? Um, you know, what happens as you add users, as you add servers, does the service, does the storage automatically scale to meet your needs or do you have to do additional maintenance in it? Well, and, um, and I, I think there's two aspects there that you just covered, right? Is yeah. with SaaS, you want that flexibility to kind of increase and decrease your consumption or how you, right. of the service on dynamically, right? That's the benefit of those right. types of services. So if, something prevents you from um, experiencing that or letting you do that, that's something you should definitely be aware of. But the other aspect is even if the SaaS vendor does say, by the way, I can continue to scale, the question you should be asking is, what is the impact of scaling? For instance, a user who might be using a running in the cloud type of approach right they might end up hitting some scale limit in which case they might just deploy another instance but it's not as efficient because things might be different depending on how they use things yeah well things like dedupe and whether or not dedupe all works together you know how big can a dedupe pool get because um you know that's going to affect your cost generally speaking right uh, is if you don't get to globally dedupe across your account, then your the number of gigabytes that you're going to store is going to go up. And if they're charging you for those gigabytes, then uh, your your cost is going to go up. Um, if they're you know so like Clumio for example is charging by the VM, and how much data you store is not going to affect your costs. Um, but uh, and and that's going to be interesting uh, for them. I think I'm going to be interesting <laughs> to see that over time. And um, but. But, but that brings up an interesting point, though, sorry, yeah. just to, is that you should take a look and see what people are charging so you understand, because it's not going to be an apples to apples comparison if everyone is charging at in a different way. So make yeah, sure and, you and so understand far everybody how is charged. Yes. Yeah, so, and so far, <laughs> everybody is charging in a different way. Yep. <laughs> so and, and so that's the, an important thing. To yeah. The three that I've you. looked at. Right. Uh, obviously, I've looked at Druva and how we price. Uh, I've looked at Clumio and how they price. And I looked at Commvault and how they price. And each of us is charging in a completely different way. We we price based on backend terabytes. Commvault is pricing on both frontend and backend terabytes. Uh, and Clumio is based on number of VMs. And so it, it, it definitely does make it difficult to do apples to apples, which may be actually the plan. I don't know. Right. Because then then you don't know if you've got a good deal or not. Well, and I guess that's also the question is now it's up to the end user to figure out, okay, really, for my environment, how does this all play out and what do I end up paying? So that, yeah, so that's the, that's the other thing is, you know, how is my cost determined? How much will my cost vary? Will my cost, you know, be predictable each month or will it go up and go down? Uh, if I delete a portion of my infrastructure and I delete those backups, will my cost go down? Or do they go up? Um, if I pay for a year at a time uh, at a certain level, 
uh, am I paying for that level throughout the year, regardless of whether or not I use it, which is the traditional way backup software has been priced, right? It's you buy, you you know, 50 front end terabytes and that's what you're paying for. Whether you back up 50 terabytes or not, that's what you bought. Uh, And some of the vendors are charging that way uh, or they're charging that way if you want a discount. Um, But so the question is, you know, exactly how is my cost determined from month to month? And, you know, you know, what happens if I use, what happens if I buy a hundred terabytes, but I only use 50 or 75 or whatever, right? That's definitely a, because we, I think all of us probably, all of the, the vendors that I've seen, we all have at least one thing in common is that we, generally speaking, we're looking at a, you know, you buy a chunk of, of capacity or licenses or credits, whatever you want to call them in advance. And then those get used over time. Uh, so far that I've seen. So the question is, how do those get used? Right. Make yeah. sure you're aware. And how of efficiently you're... does that get used? Yeah, exactly. Right. Because you don't want to say switch over to a SaaS service and then realize I messed up my sizing. And by the way, what I thought would be good for a year is done in three months. Yeah. And 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 if that does happen, how does that work? <laughs> you know, <laughs> what, what happens if and when that happens? Right. What happens if you finish early or you finish late? What happens if you bought a year? Let's say you you thought you were going to need 100 terabytes uh, for a year and that's 1,200 terabytes. And so that's what you paid for. But you ended up only using, let's say, 800 terabytes um, over the year. And so you've got credits left over. How does that work? Um, do you get to roll them over? Do you do, do they do they go away? Uh, all of those things. So these are this is the world of SaaS especially SaaS data protection. And what happens when you buy stuff that you don't end up using? What happens to those credits, right? And also what happens if you delete a portion of your backups and your the amount of system that you're using uh, goes down, what happens to your bill, right? Does it go yeah. down? And maybe, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, but maybe the discount is enough that you don't care, right? Um, yeah. Just just be aware of what your costs are. Can you think? Of- well, and I think that's a big thing of this episode, right? Is here are the questions you should be asking of a SaaS data protection vendor, yeah. just so you are aware before you sign a contract, right? Before you sign up for the deal. Yeah. Speaking of which, <laughs> l- let's talk, you, you mentioned security before. Here's a big security question. Do you have the ability to see my data in any way, shape, or form at any way at any point in time? If the you know the government decides that the Patriot Act applies to my company, can they come and see my data because you're an American company, right? Um, or anything like that? Or if you're in China, for example, right? Um, you know, or or go ahead. or the other aspect is even. If that SaaS vendor, God forbid, something happens and they get compromised, right? Does someone now have access to data that's sitting there, right? With that SaaS, if like you know, Persona goes rogue. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not saying me, but I'm just saying. I'm saying you. The world is really. I'm totally saying you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm coming for you, Curtis. I know know you, long-haired hippies. (laughs) I know how you are. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just jealous of your hair. That's all. (laughs) <laughs> but that's one of the things you have to consider though with the SaaS vendor is that you've now given them all your data right. right so you need to be comfortable with that aspect and make sure that yes. yes you trust that they will be secure but if something goes wrong in the unlikely scenario that that does happen what is your exposure right uh, yeah so when h- how and when is your data encrypted 
and where uh, in terms of things like keys or key management, who has the keys? Do you have the keys? Do they have the keys? Do they have a super secret backdoor key? Um, you know, uh, et cetera, right? It, it, does anybody at that company have the ability to restore your data without your knowledge? Yep. That's a great question. Well, and or even the other question is, do they have the ability to log in as you into the system? Yeah. Right. Are they a root? Yeah. <laughs> right. That's the scary part. I've seen some vendor products where support can always log into the product. I really like uh, the way Salesforce does. And I, I think Office 365 does this as well, where basically you can. And I know that WordPress has this ability too, where you can where basically you can give another party, you know, and support, for example, you can give them authorization to use to be an admin for a set period of time. And that without that, they're not able to do anything. Right. But, but, uh, and that, but that's, that's, that's limited and, and restricted and, you know, all the good things. But the question is without your knowledge and authorization, is it possible for someone in support to become a super user in your backup system, which then gives them the ability to do everything? I would also say another aspect is probably simplicity. Yeah. In the sense that you want it, like when you look at a SaaS product, you're looking for a very simple experience. You want it to be powerful and feature rich, but you want it to work for what you need it to do, which doesn't necessarily mean taking exactly what you did before and bringing it forward, (laughs) right? But there are different things that you can take advantage of when a product is SaaS that you should be looking for. Things like, in data protection, patching of your agents. Is it a manual process or is it fully automated? You know what that does remind me? So I watched the Tech Field Day presentation of uh, when uh, Commvault presented Metallic to the Tech Field Day folks. And one of the questions that they had was, you know, they were talking about one of the advantages of SaaS is that the software just automatically updates, right? And so in the case of Commvault, Mm -hmm. so since it's a little bit more of a traditional product behind the scenes, they do actually have to upgrade those backup servers in sort of a traditional way, even if you're not seeing it, right? So they mentioned that to the Tech Field Day audience, and and then somebody raised their hand. It's like, well, what if I, what if I, so, so you're saying that you would upgrade my backup server, which would of course be at least some period of downtime, without my knowledge, or I wouldn't know when or be able to choose when, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you know, well. I've got a big change management process and I like to know when stuff is being upgraded. Da, 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 da. And I thought that actually the answer from the uh, presenter was pretty good. He goes, well, then the SaaS backup product is not for you. Yeah, that's not what you want. It's not if what you want. And I think that's what people struggle with, especially when you're pitching into a traditional environment where there are those expectations and processes built around how tools have existed for 10, right. 15, 20 years. Right. But now with SaaS, things are different. It's like, why do you still want to keep doing things the old fashioned way? It's I, I think it's human it's a human nature thing. I, I can't tell you the number of times in my career where I threw away networker and put in net backup, threw away net backup and put in networker, threw away networker and put in TSM, vice versa, right? And every <laughs> time we did that, there was always, well, this doesn't work like the thing I just took out. Can we make it work like the thing I just took out? It's like, yes, you can oh my gosh. sort of, but <laughs> it actually would make it harder to administer if you 
make it work that way, right? So yeah, Did so you way. you do lose some yeah. control when you have a SaaS data protection system, but that losing that control comes with the simplicity that you talked about, right? You're not responsible for patching, um, you know, the the Linux OS in the servers or VMs or whatever, but that means that you, it means you also don't have control over which patches get applied. <laughs> right. Uh, so <laughs> it, it, and if that doesn't, if that doesn't float your boat, then SAS is probably not for you. But if the idea of backups that just run, just work automatically scale, your bill is predictable. Your activities are predictable. You never have to manage a backup server and ha- and everything just automatically upgrades and, and updates and scales to meet your needs. If that idea appeals to you, then it's time to consider a SaaS backup product. Can I make a controversial statement? Well, I, I bet you can. Yeah. SaaS data protection is for people who don't want to f- care about backups. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, I know, they, 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 I know they, the words you're cho- you're choosing your words carefully, and I agree with you. They don't want to. It's like have to worry yeah, about. They don't the want to worry about their backups, right? Um, yeah. It reminds yeah. me of. They just want it to work. It reminds me of uh, there was an old Xerox commercial, and they, I think it was or was it HP? I think it was HP. It was a, and the thing is, what do you think about your HP printer? And the guy goes, I don't. If that's the way you want, and, and I th- and honestly, I think that's the way most people are about backups. You know, mm-hmm. I, I asked, yeah, I speak to audiences all the time. And, and uh, just like Stephen Manley talked about, he said that he he asked people, you know, in the audience who here likes doing backups. And I, I, I've asked similar questions. And I actually borrowed his question and did it. I was at a conference this past week and I, I had one guy raise his hand. So I had to call him out. I had to bring him over and talk to him, find out what his problem was, why he liked doing backups. Most people don't <laughs> want to do backups. They don't want to have to. It's a difficult job. And so if you'd like to hand off that really difficult task to basically a, a company that actually likes doing it and has a core competency in it, then SaaS backup is for you. Um, you know, and I, I, I think there's a, you know, there's a lot to be said about it. So real quick, let's, here, let's do this. When is SaaS backup not for you? I would say when you have those strict processes in place. Um, that require full control over the environment. My guess is it's also when you have data which needs to remain on-premises and can never leave. I know there are some vendors who are very particular about that. I was in Las Vegas uh, a couple weeks ago, and the Nevada Gaming Commission has some very specific rules on data that can never leave Nevada, uh, which is which is yeah. interesting, right? Uh, so that's one thing. Another one I think would be uh, physics, right? So if you know if you've got, I, I'm just gonna throw out a number. You got 50 petabytes of data in one data center in a T1 line. That ain't gonna work, <laughs> right? Um, there is there is a number where the remote data world doesn't work you know so so backing up data across the internet no matter how good your dedupe is at some point the math doesn't work now more and more people are beginning to move data into the cloud and that's that's why we think we've been skating where the puck is going but um but if you have a big gigantic data center many dozens of petabytes in a single data center with a single pipe 
Um, and it's not running in a colo next to the same data center that Amazon's in. Um, yeah, then, then SAS backup is not, is not at least not for that data center. Maybe you got 20 other remote sites and maybe use SAS backup for those, but you don't use it for that one data center. Or even in that one data center, you might have some workloads that maybe you're okay moving off. Like, for instance, maybe virtual machine backups, you might want to back up to the cloud to be able to retire a DR site. One thing that all of the main backup, SaaS backup vendors have in common is they seem to all be designed for modern workloads, right? So they're VMware, they're SaaS backup. No um, mainframe? No mainframe, no Solaris, no HPOX, no AIX, no OS2. Um, you know, so that, so if that's another thing, if you've got a bunch of traditional workloads that are running on old school hardware, SAS backup is probably not for you, at least not for those workloads. But if you want to, you know, just keep your backup system for just those and then start doing better and easier backups on your other workloads, that's another thing you can do. Or if you have requirements for certain type of archival media, like when we were talking to Jeff and how they burn their... Of video or the footage, raw content to special type of media, which they know will last for how long they need it to, right? Those are probably use cases that you're not going to go SaaS. All right. Once again, we managed to cover, we didn't know if we'd fill 20 minutes and we're, <laughs> I don't know how much this is going to edit down to, but we're, we're currently at 41 minutes. Curtis, I, we just keep talking and talking and talking. We do. Like the energizer bunny, you just keep going and going and going and going and going. Absolutely. All right. Well, <laughs> listen. If you are, if you're listening to this podcast, we thank you. By the way, we did just last week go over five thousand downloads. We, you know, we've only Woo-hoo! been on. We've been on, you know, since July first, and um, you know, so we're what four months in, and over five thousand downloads. Pretty happy with that. And we'll just continue. Good job, Curtis. To, yeah. Good job, Persona. Good job, us and our guests. Again, be a guest. Be our guest. Sorry, that that just yeah, that just yeah. came out. <laughs> um, anyway, and subscribe so that you can never miss a beat, and you will always be able to restore it all. There was a file, but I deleted it. Too bad your backup system isn't worth a spit. Finally, I needed your backup. You had a chance to fix it, instead it's all jacked up. See how I'll write on Facebook about you. Don't underestimate the things that I will do. There was a file, but I deleted it. Too bad your backup system isn't worth the spit. Restore it all Emails from you They leave me breathless I can't help feeling You could restore it all And rescue me from pain You had my violence 
run Hoping that just for once it'll be completely done Maybe one day